Irina, it's great to have you here. My name is Gary Fowler, and it's great to have my guests here. This is BSB Presents, Silicon Valley AI and Tech. My name is Gary Fowler. I'm a serial entrepreneur and an investor. And it's with great pleasure that I introduce my friend, Irina Litchfield. She's crypto superwoman, ARA, I mean, you name it, funds. It's just, it's amazing. Space fun. It's amazing to have you here today. Thank you for joining my uh, podcast today, Irina. Such a pleasure to be here. I'm I'm so excited to, to be speaking with you. We've been spending a lot of time on VCTV together and discussing all these different subjects. And you always leave me inspired. You know, I always feel more like the world is moving into a right direction. And yeah, we're here together. You know, we're here together, inspiring each other, right? Yeah. And our audience inspires us. It's incredible yeah. how this movement has taken place. So I got a question for you. Yeah. You grew up in Stavropol mm -hmm. in Russia. What made you decide? How did the, what was the move that made you decide to move to the U.S.? And how was that? Yeah, um, it, I, so Stavropol is on the border of, um, it's a Caucasus, and it's on the border with Armenia, Georgia, Ingushetia, Chechnya, so all the Caucasian countries, but it's a Russian state. And um, after, the, after the change of, you know, of Soviet Union, when, when Soviet Union became Russia, we started having a lot of, uh, um, a lot of wars around um, our country, right? And um, basically what moved me was my mom because she came home and she said, um, would you like to go to America? And I said, sure, I would rather go to France, um, you know, because the perfume and the scars and the pretty and the hats. Really good. <laughs> right. And she said, good, it's unrefundable and you're going for a year, um, you know, so Basically, what happened um, is we had a terrorist attack um, on the birthing home on Russian property. And it was two hours away from our home. And so um, being a woman in Caucasus uh, during those times, young women, I was 19, was a very dangerous place, um, just a very dangerous place. Um, and so um, I think that that was the kind of a motivating factor for um, for me to come here. And then once I came here, <laughs> I understood that it's more than just the jeans and mm -hmm. cowboys. And mm -hmm. I really saw the true freedom of being respected as a woman, of having independence to be able to go and get a job being a waiter you know, and pay for your own apartment and make a car payment and have a cell phone and all these kids around me, well, old teenagers or whatever you call the 19 and 20 and 21 year olds, young adults, um, they were so independent. They were just so driven and there was not this underlying, you know, you're a woman or you know, we will find you a job because in Russia, when back then it was really kind of hierarchy. Now, I come from a comfortable family. My mom was a party member. She was, you know, and then actually she opened her business license number was 10. 
Wow. In, in Russia. So um, very, very early, you know, to business and to opportunities and, um, and all of that. But it was still, it was still kind of a, you know, I was going to go back home and get a good job that is gotten to me because of whatever, right? It wasn't, I didn't have an idea that I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. And like, I can, I can do all these things myself and, you know, and it's possible and I don't have to be constantly struggling, right? It's like waiter job. I thought it was the most brilliant thing that you can just go and do it. And then you get in the car and you drive wherever you want. <laughs> right meanwhile at home i still lived with my parents because i was not married and it's caucuses and even though i had an apartment that once i get married i would be allowed to move to you know and it's not that my parents were not allowing me it's just you know it just doesn't work that way my mom's heart would not work if i was not at home and living alone as a woman you know mm -hmm. so so that's 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 my story. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And so did you go to college over here, university, or did you go to university in Stavropol? So I was I went to university in, in Stavropol. I graduated pretty early. I kind of went through expedited. I've always gone through expedited things. Mm -hmm. um, the regular standards were really slow for me. So I kind of lost interest and I could gather the information, you know, very fast when I needed to. But other than that, I, you know, I've always kind of been in my own world. So I finished university in Russia. I got a, a I got a degree in psychology, uh, early childhood education, which my mom being an economist, uh, you know, she really wanted me to be either a doctor or, you know, I don't know, a banker probably or mm -hmm. something. Right. So, but um, I wanted to learn how people work and why they make why they make decisions, especially when it comes to money. Like, why do people do stupid things with money? You know, that makes no sense to me often, right? So I wanted I wanted to learn that. So I got a degree there. And then when I came here, uh, the only available program was last minute was in Amarillo, Texas, private um, Catholic school, I want to say. And I went to the grade that three years younger than high school so whatever that is called um, it was like four i want to say 14 and 15 year old kids i was mm -hmm. 19 mm -hmm. and so that was my first uh, exposure to education here um because it was through the program and then when i came back to us i went to a college for one semester Mm -hmm. And then I, I decided that I can just consume my own stuff. I mean, I learned English by just taking books and translating one by one and finding codes and wow, triggers and all that. Yeah. And I completely unpacked from the world. And, you know, the information abundance here was so good, so big. I was shown, like, we, we had computers, but it wasn't really very available, the internet, what you use it for. And when I learned here, surprisingly, that you can ask any question to to Google, uh, to the internet, and it will give you answers more than one. I mean, that just changed everything for me, right? Because then I just became this 
consume all the knowledge I can I can have and really program my brain to English. I really wanted to think in English language. And you know, so that's that's my education here. Wow, that's amazing. So now tell me, what's the journey to go from that situation coming over in English to crypto superwoman? So yes. how, what was that journey like? <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, it's it's a journey I think of a, a naturally born entrepreneur, um, you know, and probably I would say that my my drive to make and optimize things and kind of a feel that I have this responsibility to a world to make things better, maybe it led me to that. Um, I've always been fascinated with money since I was a little kid and with the way businesses work and the decision making involved with money and structures and all of the things that have to do with money and finance and everything everything else with that ecosystem um i was i was driven to always implement innovation and finance to what i'm doing and so naturally um naturally after after starting uh, my gaming company, entertainment company, to where um, I build a hybrid model, basically, that uh, in the end of the day was a payments system, um, you know, localized payment system um, for for playing cards for fun at a clubs and bars. So I had a hybrid table, basically. Oh, that sounds cool. You didn't tell me about that before. Yeah, yeah. I Yes, and and so so we built a, during Zinger time. Basically, you could come to the table, pay like twenty to one hundred dollars to play for fun because gambling in public places is illegal in is in Texas, and um, you have a professional dealer dealing you whatever cards, but then you get points for time and money you spend at the table, and then we had a built-in uh, screen. Um, that basically we we tracked, you know, we had the keypad sliding. It was really techy, right? Probably too techy for back then, but people loved it. And um, you would be a player of the month, and you know everybody would know you. And when you log in, it would show your name. And um, yeah, so it it ended up really being all about the payment system because we build um, unique hardware and software. Justin, my husband, brilliant, brilliant technologist and just a scientist. But I've always been fascinating with the payments. And then when, as, as the time evolved, I wanted to really do solutions, right, to kind of make a difference. And um, my aunt died. And, um, you know, we've been hearing about Bitcoin and, you know, speculation and all of that and the digital money and really kind of looked at it a couple of times and we didn't participate in it because it really was about speculation speculation right and so but i told i told justin i said let's send them 500 dollars. and so we you know we went to send money and western union was like 120 dollars or something um to send them 500 bucks so you know naturally i was like well that, that cannot be a reality and the only options we have and you know i said let's just do like the bitcoin thing you know isn't it supposed to be super transparent 
and it wasn't you, you it would involve people you know many physical people on the chain of transfer and it was all scamsville all the way down the pathway being a finance being 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 a person who really thinks about kind of security and safety and in finance and innovation and finance and what else we can do I was like, man, we have to build, we have to build solution, right? Like that's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And so, and especially for ourselves, we need to be able to send Bitcoin and, you know, all over the world, but just ourselves. And so that's how, uh, um, that's how Obsidian Exchange was born. Yes. And so Justin, you know, Justin and I, my husband, we co-founded um, Bitcoin Exchange and um, it was great. Too early. <laughs> Well, you know, those things happen. I've been there myself, but it's incredible. You know, we talk sometime on panels about, you know, and some of the concerns about hacking. And, you know, I still am nervous about having uh, too much digital currency because I'm afraid about, you know, money getting taken. So I know we've talked about it. Sometimes we're on the panels and people take the, uh, the opposite viewpoint. What do you think? I mean, so one is, do you think that crypto is going to replace fiat currency anytime in the near term? And, you know, what, what do you think about it? Thank you for asking that. Um, so I think that you are right to worry and you're right to be concerned. And it is definitely something that you must think about. Uh, now, of course, if you have your hard key and it's locked away in the safe as you know, as you're just store of value, if you have in a Swiss bank, your private keys, please don't be worried about it. Okay, Gary, just you're safe. You're fine. Right. So if it's a, just a long term investment for you to diversify your portfolio, don't be worried. And you can do the same with all kinds of different keys. It doesn't have to be Bitcoin. However, if your if your cryptocurrency lives at home, if it lives on um, if it lives online, then you really should be should should be very careful and see if there is an expert that can kind of help you to you know put this into a in safe space. As far as the replacement of fiat, um, it's interesting to me because I think that people are often very confused about what what the line is there. And the line is this your cash is the kind of only thing that you can spend untraceably, okay? And so as we move into the digital world, we must keep in mind our freedom. Mm -hmm. And uh, freedom comes from your ability to go and buy piece of bread. I'm not talking about sending hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions or billions, right? Like it's, if you, if you're sending large amounts across the border, it's fine to report why you're doing it. You, it, it's okay because bad things happen when it's not answered. Right. But if your ability to just spend money to go buy divers with cash, to be able to buy your medicine, whatever it is that you might want to feel private about, you have cash for that mm -hmm. with the cryptocurrencies private cryptocurrencies you better believe it they're not going to be legal right maybe within limitations of the small amount but overall mm -hmm. 
it's kind of like a rabbit hole that I don't believe that the governments will feel very comfortable allowing and they will be hunted down. No doubt to me about that. Um, so I think that we have to hold on to legacy as we are digitizing ourselves into the reality and we want to see this big changes, you know, everything will be crypto. No. Okay. Because we don't need that. And it will be absolutely, but we must leave a sense of legacy. We do not need to go in and burn behind us, burn the bridges, burn the things that we know work for simple reason. We don't know what's ahead of us. And when we burn bridges, we know things do not work out very well. And we also often wish that we didn't, right? Um, and so that's that's kind of my, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, at the Regional Masculine on one of the panels, I don't think you were on this one, but one of the panelists said he had a thousand Bitcoins that he had gotten really early on his computer and his computer gotten stolen. Yeah, he had a thousand bitcoins, and so those thousand. What well, I don't know what Bitcoin is today twenty twenty thousand dollars a coin, uh, but whatever it is, I mean, he said he was sick. And, All right, and how do you recover from that? I mean, so being in crypto industry and being a builder, um, mm -hmm. we've we've never been a holders. Bitcoin, when you build, you spend money. And you don't, you know, investment is not something that we've done. Now, for, for me and for us, we have earned cryptocurrency through work, obviously being in the industry. But also, I wrote an article actually on CoinRivet about it, is that, um, you know, for the most part, people in the crypto industry, we have, you know, you you put a loan down because in the in the times of the in the times of the hard when the growth cycle is ended and people start giving up and they start calling it you know terrible things and all of that and and continuing building in the industry requires uh funding you know usually those those things are exited and so for example loans right a lot of people lose money on the loans because when that bottom hits, it's automatic liquidation. And so I know I know so many friends that have lost money on that, right? Because and when you loan it, it means that you're already kind of running short on that portfolio. Right. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, to me, to me, I think we we have to be very careful with crypto and we have to assume it's easy come, easy go, if you would. You have to have this attitude. And that's a hard attitude when you actually, you know, invest invest in it, right? And you paid thousands of dollars. Now it becomes not so easy sometimes, right? Right. It becomes a not so easy, right? Yeah. Because that's you know, that's the thing. But you you kind of have to think about it again, unless you put it in a hard wallet and put it in a safe. In a traditional systems, we have a very good physical security for our financial instruments, and we execute them very well. We, do, we I'd love to see more cool innovation, but we are pretty good with the physical security already. Uh, and I would say that if you're in a crypto space, do that. You know, put it away and don't keep it on your computer. That's not a good idea. Don't keep your cryptocurrency on the phone. It will, you know, you are just a target. And yeah. just because they haven't targeted you yet, it doesn't mean that they're yeah. not. Yeah, be careful what you ask for. Yep. You know, I, I agree with you. And uh, 
you know, so the one of the things, you know, I use PayPal a lot for sure. And uh, very confident about that. Confident when I use my credit card most of the time. I'd rather use PayPal on my credit card. Uh, but it is, it's interesting, you know, and in fact, it's, you know, this COVID situation has changed everything, right? It's dramatically shifted. It's the first time I've ever gone to shops and they say, I don't have change. <laughs> it's kind of interesting that the amount of fiat currency that the stores have, because they want to be more cashless, they want to be using credit cards. So it's interesting, the shift. I have another question for you. Ara. So yes. tell me about Ara, your farm, Ara, you know, the uh, having your speaking sessions on straw, you know, so tell us a little, how'd you come up with that idea and, and tell the, my audience what it's all about? Yes, absolutely. So Ara is Innovation Summit and it was kind of, we launched with what will be an annual gathering, um, but really it's a global pre-IPO roadshow. So ARA is uh, the conference that is going to be running for Lumeria. And Lumeria is where capital meets innovation. So we will, we will have a kind of a different stages of the companies going around the world. Now, um, most of them will be through our global partners, uh, people that are locally running conferences. So if it's in Singapore, we'll be working with them together. <laughs> I'm not interested in organizing um, conferences every two weeks all around the world you know um all year round because so what are you doing is it like a road show for startups or what is what, what exactly what kind of startups would be interested so for the most part it will be for growth stage companies mm -hmm. so it's a road show for growth stage companies um and the valuations of those vary a small market cap is our target um, but I do believe that it is important. So as far as the roadshow, right? But I, as we are traveling globally, let's say we're in Singapore, um, we will also feature up and coming. And the reason is, is because I think that it's so important for us to understand what is coming up. And it's a great opportunity for young, for kind of a smaller stage companies to be among those that are going public um, you know, let's say it's for $40 million or it's for $100 million. Well, really, our goal is to bring small market cap back, to empower small market cap companies globally, right, and pass the, uh, pass the opportunities. So, um, so it will be kind of a hybrid model, if you would. So we'll take what we do traditionally with invest kind of a, with traditional uh, fundraising pre-IPO roadshows, um, which is more private meetings and private gatherings to really transitioning that into what we learn during ICO. And to me, the interesting thing for the ICO was the model. It proved the concept that we do not need to dial for dollars anymore and people are really hungry for investments and they do their own due diligence and research. We have enough information out there for people to feel comfortable and say, I can make my decision and they want it. So to me, that's what that's what we've learned. And then obviously kind of the model, the fundraising model, um, you know, I'm, I'm really driven by changing and innovating funding vehicles mm -hmm. uh, for all around the world, right? Because we are, let's face it, we're quite outdated. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, in, in that. So that's, that's what ARA will be doing as far as an ongoing. And then every year we'll have an innovation summit. An innovation summit is uh, um, more of a thought leadership and feature, right? So we'll still have some, some companies presenting and they really will be our annual feature companies. Uh, but for the most part, we'll, we'll have a discussions about what innovations are and how do we move forward and, and really kind of make sure that we can always um, have a way to push the boundaries, if you would. Right. So learning and, and having a product productivity. So my my biggest goal during this gathering was get shit done. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've said that I've said that so many times, Gary, on the stage. And I said you're it's it's all you. <laughs> it's every single time you I say that it's it's you in my head. And the reason is is because we've been taken for granted our ability to meet with each other. And too many times we just there schmoozing and whatever and thinking about business and kind of discussing it, but we are not connecting and getting stuff done. And then we have to go back and follow up. And then, yeah, well, that's why companies fail, right? Right, and right. And so look at it, you know, yeah. the difference between success and failure is about this much. Yeah. And, and the situation, why, why is there a difference? Difference is because of people that want to, succeed succeed and sometimes people want to fail right or they've got this uh Dostoevsky kind of mentality where they don't want to really succeed they talk and part of it is you know really putting yourself in that position visualizing having the right kind of contacts and connection and doing the kind of things we started doing on vctv uh several months ago it's good to connect with people it's amazing who you can meet in these kind of environments i'm surprised with the amount of uh, inbound interest now just in this show because of going out and providing incredible information to folks. So now it's, it's, you know, I hear it. What do you think, you know, what's going to happen? You know, I, so we look at telegram, right? Mm -hmm. Telegram was uh, trying to do an ICO and then kind of faded away. I mean, what's the state right now? Where are ICOs worldwide? And what do you think the future? I mean, is it, is it done? Is it picking up? I mean, where do you, where do you think it really is today? Yeah, well, I think it goes the, goes back to kind of first of all, have they experienced serious problems with SEC? Um, if they have, um, you not, know, not just Telegram, but I mean in general, right? right. And that's that's actually valid for a lot of them. So mm -hmm. um, you know, people really don't realize that. But the the letters, the scary letters, most of the companies received scary letters, and they had to. They had to work through that and they're still working through those issues. So SEC is slow, but methodical. So you always want to make sure of that. But they are also, I think, are forgiven too. I do believe that um, it was an innovation that happened for finance. And, um, you know, you have to kind of, you, you have to learn from that as well. And I do believe that that's one of one of the reasons why they opened up, um, opened up their um, alternative trading system allowance mm -hmm. and made it to where five up to $5 million you can get from unaccredited investors for your primary listing. I mean, that's just sexy. You know, I, I, I still can't believe it happened. I mean, it's not all the, on the news, but that by itself can change the fabric of, of the way things are working 
Mm-hmm. Democratization of opportunities and investments is here because of that. And and kudos to SEC, they did that. They did a really great job and they do want to innovate. They just can't break things, right? Because our our global financial infrastructure is built on that. We don't go breaking things. Um, so anyhow- um, well, At least we don't try sometimes. <laughs> we yeah, these crazy financial crises where well, derivatives and those kind of things. But, you know, you're right. And, and we come up with innovation and, you know, part of it is, you know, getting out there and seeing what's going to happen. I mean, it's, I remember when the ICOs were crazy. You must have been insane with the, this ICO activity. Busy. Right? Oh my God, busy. Though, uh, in full transparency, I, you know, being in capital, global capital markets and working through traditional finance and seeing through the things that we're doing, uh, because it's been years and coming, right? Lots of money spent in building uh, innovation for capital global capital markets um it was very hard to stay away from a lot of them so i was very active during that time i was speaking i was traveling all over the world mentoring i've mentored probably like i don't know hundreds and hundreds i don't want to say thousands but i just spent so much time giving to people and that was my mission my mission was that's why i'm crypto superwoman i told my daughter there are too many bad guys out there doing uneducated things and I have to stop them. Like I have to educate the world. And she said, mommy, you're a crypto superwoman. And and it carried me through because I, I was, I was at home and now I was not at home traveling the world. And it's hard to go on a 10 day, 10 day trip away from your five year old. Right. And um, it's, it, it, it is a big challenge. And it was that crypto superwoman that kept reminding me that, you know, why I'm doing this and my daughter and the future and the children is a big portion of why I'm doing it, right? So, um, but I think that we'll see 2.0 ICOs coming back um, because some of them have handled things very well and they actually did a proper treasury management and their proper banking and a proper licensing and maybe yes sec has sent them the letter but they're able to work through things and most importantly while all that happening not give up but continue building the product and so we'll see so many wonderful post ico 2.0 companies coming out with products and i think that they will give the rise to opportunities for those that are coming up, will the will the what I call membership like tokens, which is just mm-hmm. a utility token. So will the membership token um, be have such a big traction with people to to where they'll just rush and put as much money as possible? No, I don't think so. I think we'll see more realistic kind of realistic valuations and realistic ways to um, you know to to pre-sell your membership. Because that's what ICO utility token is just a pre-sell for your membership. It's pretty simple and it makes perfect application for that. For example, one of the companies um, that we are um, that looks we're looking to be sponsored on um, for a global listing through Lumeria. Mm-hmm. We um, they're they're doing something interesting. They have several layers. 
Mm-hmm. Now they it's a it's a transformative technology company, but we are utilizing the the vehicle to make sure that they can achieve what they need to do. So it's kind of a three layer it's a three layer vehicle. We're looking at the membership pre sale for mm-hmm. membership. Um, it's just a perfect application for um, basically tokenizing licensing. So it's an investment vehicle and then actually doing the STO. So when the company is ready to go public, which is what we are preparing them for, um, that will be a cheaper and better transition for them. So I do think we'll see a lot of things like that, kind of a bundled in a nice little wrap of traditional and, and crypto, but highly regulated, properly designed. I don't think we'll see any more of that craziness. The wild west. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we'll live through it, Gary. It was- I mean, it was amazing times, I got to tell you. It was good. <laughs> you know, we were um, with Eva, my company, we were thinking about at one point doing an ICO and decided to move in on and just raise the money instead. But so many people around us were raising money. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. 10 million, 12 million, 15 million. 20 million. It was incredible. But so I have a question for what do you think? So we're, we have the, we deal with startups all over the world in these conferences we're going to. So what would advice would you give a startup? So there's a startup in Nigeria or in Russia or Ukraine. What advice would you give them? They're trying to come out. They've got incredible technology. They've got some revenue. They're looking at going global. What kind of advice would you give those companies today in this, uh, this COVID world? Yeah, messaging, really tight messaging. You really need to be able to describe in seven words what your company does and have three sentence um, explanation of what it is and then go ahead and in seven words describe what your vision and mission is, right? Your mission is. And to me, that's important because it really is one of the most challenging things, even for mature companies to be able to identify. And then uh, really proper flow. I really like to use a Sequoia uh, pitch deck template. It's just a template mm-hmm. for the flow. Um, and, and make sure not to skip any slides. And uh, because if you do not have answer to one of the slides or they do not apply to you, Um, That just means that you need to ask for that. So it becomes your ask. And so make sure that you definitely have an ask and it's a ask that's definitive, right? Take just one ask, you know? So if, if you are, if you're looking, if you're still can't raise money because you need partnerships, ask for partnerships. Don't ask for money yet because Mm -hmm. you just, you know, um, make sure you ask for one thing and progress yourself through your, through your asks. I think that's very important. I really like to use American uh, Marketing Association template. You can just Google it. And it's a 90 seconds pitch. And so you the reason I like that is because you need I need to you need to be able to talk through your pitch deck in those 90 seconds. That means that you need to make two decks. First deck is simplified looking pretty, just really that messaging, that just really messaging and emotion. So I can really look through it or hear you through it in 90 seconds and identify uh, what it is. So I can have just, I just want answers to each of those slides, right? Uh, And then deeper explanation. So more due diligence type of a uh, deck that you can follow up with um, mm-hmm. and, and schedule that follow up meeting with a, with an investor. I think those are very 
very basic, but they're very important, especially for those that are from abroad, because they already have the limitation with the messaging, right, with the language. And so any any extra information, any lack mm -hmm. is so magnified. But if you are from foreign country and you have terrible accent and it's hard to understand, but you have a proper flow deck. So, you know, it just goes right. And you have proper messaging that is short and definitive and really answers the point of that specific page. Right. It, it, it opens up to kind of like, OK, I you you can think in a way I think you can give me all the tools you think about success and adoption um, into kind of a funding world. Um, I think that that's my biggest advice. And that goes for, you know, C and D companies as well, surprisingly. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, keep it crisp. You want to paint uh, pictures with words. So people feel the presentation. You want to make sure you've got those seven words, the wow statement. Uh, I had Bill Reichert on the show last week. We were talking about his new book, Getting the Wow. So wow is really important. So I agree with you 100%. And startups out there, this is a great opportunity for you. Investors, you know, don't sit on the sidelines because if you don't invest now, you may never get that chance. This is a dawn of a new era. AI is a new electricity. It's great. Crypto and crypto superwoman's here. If you have questions, Irina, how do they reach you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? So message me on Twitter or um, LinkedIn, or just email me Irina I R I N A L I T C H at me.com. I am very available and transparent. Um, probably don't use Telegram because it's uh, my identity gets stolen all the time in Telegram. And basically, my experience with Telegram at this point is uh, friends messaging me and saying that, hey, do you need money? <laughs> you know, no, I don't need money. Please report that person once again. And by the way, the way they do it is that they just change the letter in, you know, so if you read it, you kind of can't see it, it just says at Crypto Superwoman, but it's not, it's, it's, it, it, there's like you instead of, Oh, or double O, or whatever. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Good. Yeah, biggest, good yeah. So be careful on Telegram. Be right? very careful. It's it's the number one phishing platform for sure. Ah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and the newbies all go into Telegram. They think it's safe and secure. And um, like, for example, I don't have a way to be able to report the person um, that is impersonating me. Right. I don't have a way to there. There's not enough support or filtering in there uh, to do that. So to me, that's the platform. And I have so many different groups. We have blocks. Right. So my company runs blocks on uh, on a telegram and it's just became a feeding ground in a way to where it's it's really it's a really hard place to to be at. So I do think that the telegram needs to do some innovation and, and management of that because they do have a great foundation. So, but don't message me on telegram. <laughs> okay. So LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitter uh, email. email. Yeah. Google, just Google me, Irina Litchfield. You'll find all the way. And I respond to all of them. It's just if in a telegram, it might take me three months before I decide to sit down <laughs> and go through this flow of um, unbelievableness. Yeah. All right. Super. Well, Irene, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and uh, my audience. It's great to have you here. 
We will be back again, same time, same channel, next week, next Tuesday. So great to have you and have a great day. Stay safe and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Irina. I really appreciate it.